This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Hey there, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Daily News Brief from Ion Annapolis. This is John Frenet. Hey, well, it is back. The Annapolis Homeowners Expo is going to be back for their 18th year and 34th show. Yeah, if you do the math, that's a little bit off, but COVID is to blame for missing two of them. But the dates are February 26th and 27th. You want to put them on your calendar. Admissions only six bucks, and you can get the tickets in advance at thehomeownersexpo.com. And this year, the Homeowners Expo is pulling out all the stops in addition to the dozens of vendors and suppliers for really any home improvement project you can dream up. They're going to have Todd Peenstra on hand to appraise your antiques for free. Craig Northrup will be discussing on how to stage your home and get the biggest bang for your buck if you're looking to sell. Rachel Jennifer Interiors is going to be talking about how to organize that home office. You know, that's the room that never existed three years ago. Master Gardeners will be talking all things gardening and two guys I'm really psyched to meet and was really pleased to speak with a few days ago. The first one was Jeff Devlin, who is the host of HGTV's Stonehouse Revival and a master carpenter. He's based up in Philadelphia, and I'm originally from Philadelphia, so after we commiserated about being a Phillies fan, we talked about the Homeowners Expo. He's going to be bringing his tools and actually working with us to teach us about hanging doors, patching drywall, and a bunch more. And he also has, in addition, two additional workshops, one on remodeling like a pro and how to hire a contractor. Both are really fraught with issues and especially today hiring the right contractor is a task and a half you want to make sure you check them out the other headliner if you will i don't know what to call them headliners we're going to call them headliners is doug ptolemy now he is an internationally recognized entomologist bugs and a wildlife ecologist author of four books hundreds of research paper and a 40-year professor at the university of delaware He's got a great nonprofit called HomegrownNationalPark.org, which you do need to check out. It is working on a viral basis to get 20 million more greening in America. It could be a pot on a balcony in a big city, or it could be 100 acres in your backyard. Really cool idea. But he's going to be talking about nature's best hope. And while that seems a little bit ominous to me, it's really fascinating about the harm of invasive species of plants and critters, how it impacts our environment, how we are losing our environment, and how we can do something even on a small, small level to make it better. And we even get into how to handle that spotted lantern fly. Two really interesting guys, and both will be here at the Homeowners Expo on the 26th and 27th. Again, tickets and more information is at thehomeownersexpo.com. Enough of that rambling, but up first, here's Doug, followed by Jeff. Joining us on the phone today is Dr. Doug Ptolemy, who is an entomologist, wildlife ecologist, and a professor at the University of Delaware for over 40 years. And he is going to be speaking at the Annapolis Homeowners Expo a little bit later on this month. Dr. Ptolemy, welcome. How are you? I am fine. Uh, Thanks for the chance. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you have written four award-winning books, more than 100 research publications, and now your life seems to be complete. You're going to be coming down to Annapolis to the home show to wake us up. (laughs) (laughs) That will wrap it up. (laughs) But you're going to be waking us up here at the Annapolis Homeowners Expo, which you're going to be speaking on Sunday, February 27th. And your presentation is ominously entitled Nature's Best Hope. And it sounds a little fatalistic to me. Um, No, it's full of hope. (laughs) Well, let's – well, what what are we going to learn from – from Dr. Ptolemy. Well, we're going to learn that, you know, the earth has some, some serious problems, but um, 
most of them, particularly the, the biological problems, are they can be addressed as as uh, they have grassroots solutions is what I'm trying to say. We've got a lot of people on this planet. And if each one of us did our part, we wouldn't have the, the issues that we have. You know, we've lost uh, three billion birds in North America in the last 50 years. We've got global insect decline. The U.N. says we're going to lose a million species. These are not good things, but we can turn it around. And by we, I mean everybody. We're just we're, we're, we're promoting the idea. Everybody in the planet needs healthy ecosystems, which means everybody in the planet has the responsibility of keeping those ecosystems healthy. Not just a few conservationists and a few ecologists. It's everybody's responsibility for good earth stewardship. And if we do that, then I've got a lot of hope. So that's the message. You are nature's best hope. Well, that make, it makes a lot of sense to me. I was part of a program last year they have down here. It's called Leadership Anne Arundel, and it's a year-long program, and they devote different days to different things. And it, one day was devoted to purely environmental issues, and a large part of that was the uh, invasion, if you will, of invasive species to our regional environment and, you know, how bad it is, you know, just from a, a plant perspective when you're bringing in something that, you know, absolutely takes over and, and strangles out a native plant. And I imagine that also works with, you know, as you said, the birds and as well as the bugs and everything else, right? If you take away the native plant, you're taking away the the bird food. You're taking away the factories that create the caterpillars that the birds need. Um, the non-native plants, and particularly those invasive ones, are very poor at doing that. So when we allow these things to escape into our natural areas or when we load our human-dominated landscapes with these non-native plants, the food web pretty much collapses. Hmm. So that's one of the basic reasons we've got all these these you know this serious decline in biodiversity. We're just not sharing our human dominated spaces. We forever we've had this idea that that humans and nature can't coexist. So we're here. We can do whatever we want. Nature's happy someplace else. Well, there is no someplace else now. We humans are everywhere, and that attitude's doing us in. So we have to. We've got to find ways to coexist. How can we have healthy ecosystems right in our yards, right in our corporate landscapes, on our roadsides, even in our agriculture? We can do it. Well, I, I know that a lot of change, you know, big change can be happen when a lot of people do a little change. And yes. I, I was speaking with a, a woman that was deep into the whole recycling and reusable and renewable type of products. And again, you know, you look at what recycling has done. And, you know, when I was a kid, when it first came out, it was like, okay, you had the brown glass and the green glass and the clear glass and you had <laughs> right. aluminum foil and you had paper and you had all these bins and it was just the biggest pain in the butt that you could possibly imagine to recycle. And it started to catch on when it became simpler, when you can put it all yes. in one thing and let, you know, being the selfish humans that we are, that's purely passing the buck to allow somebody else to sort it out. Um, but that really did make an impact on that. What, what can we do to, as an individual, you know, to help this? Well, if you, if you own any land at all, then it's very obvious where you're going to focus. You're going to focus on that land. That's your little piece of the earth. There's four things that your little piece of the earth should be doing. It should be pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and locking it up in plant tissues, and then the plants will pump it into the ground. It should be supporting pollinators. It should be supporting a, a healthy food web so that you have you know the birds and the bees and everything else around you. And it should be managing the watershed. And you can accomplish each one of those by choosing the right plants to landscape with. The easiest thing to do is reduce the area you have in lawn. 
because Lund doesn't do any of those things. I'm not saying get rid of Lund. The Lund we have should be manicured, and it's a great cue for care. But, but we've got more than 40 million acres of Lund, which is it's ecological dead space the size of New England. And we've got it there as a status symbol. That's not a good reason to wreck the area. So there's simple things that each person can do, like insect declines. Turn your lights out at night. That's a major cause of insect declines. And it's very easy. You flick a switch. You know, even easier. Well, a lot of people feel uncomfortable without the lights on. But take the white bulb that's in your your security light and, and replace it with a yellow bulb or a yellow LED bulb. Then you really save electricity. Yellow wavelengths are much less attractive to insects than our white wavelengths. So it's very easy to do, and it makes a huge difference. It, it seems so simple. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you're not a fan of golf courses. Um. <laughs> you know, we have we have an area bigger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined in golf courses. You know, you've you've thrown these analogies out here. You know, forty million acres of lawn the size of New England, and then now we're golf courses of yeah. Delaware and Rhode Island. <laughs> Uh, you know, when you put something into that kind of perspective, it really does come home. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, the lawns as a lawn do not do anything. I mean, the, the water, some of it gets into the, the water table, but most of it just, you know, flows out and the lawns are not really adding back into. Uh, right. But, you know, as a as a plant choice, any other plant will do a better job at it. So we do have alternatives. It's not like, you know, that's the only thing we can do. Well, I'll tell you one thing I lately hear in Maryland, I know you're in Delaware, so you're not too, too far, but people are um, freaking out about the spotted lantern flying. I mean, you're, I'm going to tap into your entomology background, but is this a real legitimate concern? I mean, obviously that is an invasive species that's coming here. And I mean, is what is the damage that this thing might do? <laughs> well, yeah, it depends. It depends on what your occupation is. If you're a fruit tree grower, you know, if you, if you grow apples or uh, peaches or anything, or if you uh, grow grapes, if you're into wine, they can be devastating. I mean, these these guys really like to suck on on uh, fruit. They like to suck on vines, so grape vines in particular. Uh, they like particular trees. They really like maple trees. So what they're you know they have sucking mouth parts and they plug into the phloem of the of the the plant, which is not well defended. So they have a very broad range of plants that they they can attack and and they can increase very quickly to large numbers uh so yes it can be a, a serious problem and you know how they got here they got here on ornamental rocks from china there were egg masses on ornamental rocks from china oh. and of course we need to buy ornamental rocks from china because there are no pretty rocks in north america <laughs> And, you know, we've, and we all and we all need pretty rocks, don't we? We, yeah, we need pretty rocks. We we create these problems ourselves. What do we do? I mean, I, the advice here has been like kill them. Yeah, yeah, kill them. Um, they hop though; they're pretty fast. You know, one thing you can do. Um, first of all, they have not been here very long, so there's people researching them. The 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 you know the most promising approach is some kind of biocontrol agent that will uh, replicate itself and and you know some little wasp or something it will lay eggs in the eggs of the, the spotted lanternfly and get it under control um, that would be ideal we don't have that yet but people are working on it but it is a homopterin which means it's got uh, a lot of wax associated with its its uh, exoskeleton so one thing you can do is you get your garden hose. Let's say you've got a tree where the trunk is just covered with these things. 
Um, get a garden hose and put one of those fertilizer attachments on the end of it, but fill it with with soap so that you're spraying, spraying soapy water. So it's mm-hmm. not toxic, but the soap will dissolve the wax and it knocks them off the tree. You know, run around, jump on them or something, but uh, you, you really can kill an awful lot very quickly that way. How do you recognize them? What's what's unique about them? They're actually pretty. Uh, they're they're uh, red and black and, and white and they're pretty big. Uh, at, you know, an inch, a little bit more than an inch long. So they're pretty easy to recognize. You will, you will have never seen an insect like it. Nothing else like it in North America. Okay. So they're big. So they're like cicada big. Almost not yeah. quite as big as cicada. But. Yeah. Yeah. We just got over that last year. It's, you, know, <laughs> it's, you, you won't confuse it with anything. I mean, you have to see one to appreciate it. It's just, they're all over the web. You can see them on the web. But Tell me about homegrownnationalpark.org. And that's a, a very long URL, <laughs> but that's your sort of home base there, right? Yeah. Um, it is our attempt at using social media to get this, this message that everybody's responsible for conservation to go viral. I've been talking to the public for a long time. And people say, well, you only talk to the choir. I said, well, yeah, it's only the choir who invites me. But um, There's a lot of choir members, but there's a lot more people who don't have a clue about it. And those are the ones we're trying to reach through this Homegrown National Park initiative. Um, the object was to take the area we have in Lawn and cut that in half. That would give us 20 million acres for conservation. And if you do this at home, we can create a new national park. We'll call it Homegrown National Park. And 20 million acres is bigger than all of our major national parks added up together so it would be the biggest national park in the country and it's something you can create and enjoy right where you you live that's that's the idea wow 40 uh, 20 million acres 20 million acres holy man and, and that we're just starting with that after we do that we'll, we'll move on <laughs> i'm sort of proud to live in annapolis i mean we've got pretty you know tree canopy regulations and everything's so we're pretty strict on that and i know that we're looking for you know, our goal is a 50% tree canopy, which is, that'd be great. You know, it's just some, you know, something unusual. I mean, it's a, it's a lofty goal, but I mean, we're very close to it and they're very tight as far as what developments they can and what trees they can pull down and everything else. It's really kind of punitive uh, if you end up having to take down some large portion of the canopy. And again, they're also very big on not necessarily just throwing down some hydro seed and, and growing a, uh, you know, a couple acres of grass. They want to want to see that. I know our um, Maritime Museum recently did a project where they, you know, incorporated a, you know, the runoff of the road and going into the creek and and they had the natural plants, the native plants that are actually, you know, absorbing some of the, uh, the bad nutrients, I guess, I guess can't, that's sort of a conflict of terms, but. (laughs) Well, it's keeping the nutrients out of the bay. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, so this is neat. Well, homegrownnationalpark.org, you are listed as the chief firefly. What's that all about? <laughs> we want you, you to create a new habitat. <laughs> Play on words. Gotcha. So you're creating habitat, but you're you're changing your, your habits. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the, 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 what do you call it? Not the co-owner, the co-whatever. We, we started it. Um, well, so I've been talking to the public a long time, you know, and, and I only talked to the choir, but I met a woman who's actually, uh, she was in licensing and marketing in, in Manhattan. And she said, you've got to get to the people who don't know about this. And I said, I know, but I don't do that. She said, I do do that. And so she kind of created this 
the website and the uh, the map. You you register your property on the map and say this is the area that I'm I'm protecting or or you know converting one to productive native plants. If I have a woodlot, I'm protecting that. All that goes on the map, and then your little area of your county lights up. And this right. is how we get to see the whole U.S. light up as people. Um, now they want to join in this this grassroots effort to turn these bad headlines around. Yeah, and and it's free, by the way. It doesn't cost you anything. You can still be a member of Audubon and National Wildlife Federation and all those things. As a matter of fact, we want you to be. We want we want to educate people and then send them out to these these established organizations that actually deliver services. We deliver information, but no real services. So that makes sense. That makes sense. As an entomologist, what's the difference between a firefly and a lightning bug? Do you know? Or is it? Is no, it? common name. Is it? <laughs> it's the same beast. Depen- and they're, they're beetles, by the way. They're not bugs or flies. They're beetles. Really? Really. Yeah. That's what I love about talking to these people. You always learn something new here. <laughs> um, the family Lampyridae. There, there you go. Well, I will not take too much more of your time, but Doug Ptolemy, who will be expounding on you know, how to keep our planet in check. Um, we'll be here at the Annapolis Homeowners Expo on Sunday, the 27th. I do believe your um, discussion is at 1 p.m. And you can get tickets for that at thehomeownersexpo.com. They're $6. And I think there's some discounts as well for military and seniors. I am uh, looking forward to hearing from the chief firefly on Sunday. <laughs> and I think uh, as I think you're right on the right track. I mean, as long as you can educate, if you can educate people and oh on your you know on taking my new habitat i mean are you limited in size i mean can somebody that has a little postage stamp in you know in the in brooklyn do it just as much as somebody that has 100 acres and yeah no absolutely because you know the the ultimate goal here is to change the culture it's to get people to realize that this is important and that everybody can play this game everybody has to play this game so we're not going to we're not going to eliminate people who live in the city. Eighty-two percent of us live in cities. Yeah. So absolutely, that that person. If you don't own property, you can help somebody who does. You can help a, a park or a preserve. So there's there's something to do for everybody here, and we certainly want everybody to be on the map, even if it's if it's a uh, a potted plant on your porch. There you go. You want to go to homegrownnationalpark.org and check out everything that's there with Doug and his partner that are spreading the gospel. And when you want to (laughs) go over to the Homeowners Expo, you can listen to Doug spread his gospel on the 27th. Again, that's at the Byzantium Center, which is right on Reva Road. And I do look forward to meeting you on the 27th. This is uh, you've sparked sparked an interest in me. So that's excellent. Uh, excellent. You know, one one person at a time, I guess, is, is what, what <laughs> right. it is. So, right. But hey, Doug, thank you very much for your time today. And again, I look forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks. You are quite welcome. I'll see you then. Joining us on the phone today is Jeff Devlin, who is the host of HGTV's Stonehouse Revival. How are you today? I am absolutely fantastic. Sun is shining. It's a little chilly, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Well, you are, as I said, the host of HGTV's Stonehouse Revival, but you are also a master carpenter of what, like 20 years or so? It's been over 20 years. I hate to use the term master carpenter because I think that should be um, reserved for after you pass away. Like, I think it's like you get that right <laughs> But, you know, and, and it's tough for me to accept that just because there's so many other really great uh, contractors and carpenters out there 
Um, it's hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm humble. I don't know. Yeah. You're you're actually based out of Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I'm just outside of Philadelphia, uh, right around the little town of Westchester. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's odd. My mom had went to Westchester for college, and somehow I find my way right down the street, right down the street from where my parents got married. Uh, I bought a house, which I didn't even know they got married there until about three, four years in when they were visiting. They were like, yeah, we got married there. And I was like, wait, what? Interesting. So Interesting. Yeah. My sister used to have a house in Uniontown right on Route 82, maybe. Yeah. 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 There was like a little V, like two roads came together. She had sort of like a V-shaped house. It was really kind of cool right in the little town of Unionville, but it was uh, it was neat. And uh, I saw on your website that you're a Phillies fan, so you're pretty much used to disappointment. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yes. Every year, you know, it's funny. Every year you start like with that whole spring training thing. I'm like, this is the year we're winning the World Series. And then um, – then I just kind of lay low a little bit and just enjoy the games. I really, so when I was a kid, that was, we didn't have much. So my dad would always listen to the Phillies game on the radio. Sure. And have it called that way. So it was funny. That's how I would, you know, that was like evening television. I would fall asleep in uh, his bed listening to the Phillies and then also, uh, you know, just get so inspired every single night. It seemed like baseball was on every night. I yeah. love, absolutely love it. I heard something about the lockout or something like that coming up, which I'm mortified if I can't watch baseball or get to experience it. But I always, I think there, for me, baseball's always been about family and my son plays. So we go there and he always likes to root for the other team, which kills me. He won't even <laughs> win. And he loves to misunderstand me, but like the Chase Utley days, the, you know, I go back to Juan Samuel and Mike Schmidt and the, you know, the 80, yeah, yeah, the 80 team and Tug McGraw. I'm like, oh, I just, I don't know something about it. Whether or not we win or lose, it's still just fun. And going to the park is, is always a family event. And I just love it. There's something magical about baseball. I, 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 I agree. So I don't know if it's the weather, the, the slow nature of the game, but I, I just basically, I wish I could put my finger on it. I just really enjoy it. And when people say they don't, then I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going. That's true. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people are probably wondering, what the hell are you talking to Jeff Devlin about? And why, why are we, why are we talking about the Phillies here? Um, but you are coming to Annapolis for the homeowners expo, which is happening at the end of the month this month. And we're pretty excited about that. Um, it's happening on Saturday, the 26th and Sunday, the 27th. You'll be down here on Saturday, the 26th. And, yeah. um, you know, we're excited to, to have you come on down and, you know, oh, impart some of your wisdom. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I love home shows. I really do. I like getting out and about. I might, I love meeting other people who either support the show or don't support the show. But I love being able to answer questions and all of that. And this home show is a little different for me in that I'm close enough where I can hitch up my trailer. I can bring my tools down. So not only will there be two presentations uh, where you can like sit down and chill and learn uh, at 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, there's also in between there, you can actually, I'm bringing down, like I said, my tools and we're going to demo some things. So, you know, simple things, how, you know, how to trim a door and, and not just how to trim a door, but what problems are you going to run into or potential problems you could run into, which makes it really difficult for you and, and then how to fix it out of patch drywall. Simple things like that. And I'm there to answer as many questions as I possibly can in that time frame. So for me, 
that's so I love hands on. I certainly do love to talk, but um, I just I for me, it's just getting out and about and getting to to tell people what I know and at least make their lives a little bit easier so that they don't have to go through some of the heartaches that other DIYers have to go. As the uh, HDTV host of Stonehouse Revival that you're, you know, you're talking the talk and you're walking the walk. Uh, well, I mean, all honesty, the funny thing is, is that I'm, I don't look at myself as a host. Um, I look at myself as a carpenter who just so happened um, to have TV cameras follow him around most of the time. I've done this for a very long period of time. For whatever reasons, the, the network keeps hiring me back. Um, and I'm very proud of that. But I don't look at myself as a host. I just look at myself as a genuine, respectful person. When you're in these situations, look, don't go crazy thinking that it's the end of the world. Don't, don't throw in something when you make a mistake. Figure out how best and easy to fix it. Homeowners really can save a decent amount of money on their projects. The only problem that we've ever seen or that we see with DIYers is they get so frustrated, they give up and or or the worst is the integrity factor. They just are like, that's good enough. Forget it. Screw it. I'm just going to leave it. I'll caulk it. I'll paint over it or something like that. And look, all of this stuff, don't expect to do it in a weekend for crying out loud. Give yourself some time and balance, 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 balance. Do a little bit of family time, a little bit of spouse time, whatever. Then go out and spend a couple of hours. Don't spend 12 hours of the day trying to save, you know, $100 here and there. It's not worth it. I, I agree. And I love on your website that you say that you're, you know, whenever you're doing a project and you are, let's, let's be real. You are a contractor. I mean, you own a contracting company that will go out and restore homes. And mm-hmm. you, you say that I'm small, I'm on the job and I need, and you say it first, you say, I need to be true to the house and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, obviously be truth, truthful with the, uh, you know, with the client and everything else. And I, I'm like, you know, that's, that's really special when you sit there and say, okay, no, I, this is a, for you, it's, is a living and breathing thing, this house, this old house. And I know that sounds kind of pompous, but the things that I've learned is that I, I, I know old homes or let me, that, that also sounds pompous. I'm pretty, I know enough about old homes to be, uh, to be successful in them. And I also know if somebody calls me up to work in an old home and says, I want to modernize it 100% and rip everything out. I'm not the guy to do it for you. And I've gotten to that point in my career before the TV ever happened is that I just, I can say no. And I think a lot of young carpenters, young businessmen, young business women say yes to everything. And in turn, it causes all of this conflict. It causes more work. It causes anxiety. And, and it's just not necessary. Find the things that really you do well at and you enjoy doing. And you'll excel at it. Old houses are my specialty. So I, I mean, there's plenty of them out there. So sure. that stick with. And as long as you stick with the essentials and I joke about it, John, this isn't rocket science, but even better, it's called disguised plagiarism. We basically are doing what somebody's already done 200 years ago. So we're just taking out some of the recent and we're putting back what was already there. It's just you know, being respectful to the house and not butchering it like many people do. That makes sense. And that makes all the sense in the world. What's the oldest house you've ever worked on? 1684. Holy mackerel. Where was that? That was actually right around the corner from me um, in Glen Mills. Not far at all. It was, uh, 
you know, again, when you look at these homes, it's a portion of the home. It's not the whole home that was built in 1684. Um, But it it definitely had some cool factors to it. It was neat. You know, it was every house I go into is so completely different. The the house I live in right now is uh, 1752. Um, The house I just purchased for our business is 1802. But we went and did walked around and we're like, this is much older than 1802. So we're finding, you know, even the deeds go back this way. So we'll do a deed search. We'll dig a little more. I don't know. It's kind of like Magnum PI or something like that or modern day Goonie where I love going back and just kind of looking and digging a little more and being like, huh, I don't know. This could be this. That's really cool. Well, I know there's a lot of similarities actually between some of the Philadelphia suburbs. I mean, Bucks County, um, you know, certainly mm-hmm. Chester County and whatnot there in, in Annapolis. I think most of the stuff as I look at it is that we're, we're more brick and you're more st- up there is more stone. Um, Correct. And I mean, now is, I mean, is interior renovation, is it similar between the two? So it is. I mean, again, when you talk about architecture, you can talk about the different um, architectural details. When you talk about Victorian, it's very ornate. It's a little taller ceilings, a lot more angles. When you talk about more of your primitive colonial house in Pennsylvania, it even differs from that um, down in Maryland. So brick is not it's not to say that brick wasn't used in Chester County and Bucks County and Montgomery County because it was. But a lot of that brick was being imported at the time. Now, why you wouldn't just dig in your yard for stone? I don't know. It seems like it's absolutely everywhere here, especially where I put a shovel. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So but you also have to understand is like and, and this is something that historians, it's very hard to get a grasp and something that I've tried for years to, to wrap my head around. Is that is it simply just was brick just easier to stack than it was stone? Was there that much more involved with stone? I mean, when you look at it now, you know, Mason will pretty much be able to do them relatively quickly around the same time frame. Brick is, you know, it gives a certain a different look. But if you look back, none of the stone was meant to ever be exposed, both the inside or out. So what was the reasoning for using stone versus brick? Was it just because we were being cheap and we had it and we went out into the yard and grabbed it? Like these are the sort of things that's my notion, but there's some areas, you know, obviously brick had to be handmade and it takes some time. So most of the time and the brick wasn't was in some places was meant to be exposed. So that way you could see it. So it was a highfalutin look. Um, so it's kind of this whole keeping up with the Joneses thing that I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, we, we think nowadays when your iPhone gets to be two years old, you got to go out and get a new one. And <laughs> some, some of the architecture is no different. Yeah. Did you say that stone was never meant to be exposed? Never. Really? Interesting. It was not. Your stone walls outside, yes, potentially, uh, but a lot of the times you'll see in all of the old homes, even historical societies, we've we've fought with to say we'd like to expose it, and they're like, no, it wasn't like that originally. You'd have it, you'd have it plastered on the inside and out. Interesting. Well, I, I know your your website, which is schoolhousewoodworking dot com. Nothing funky about that. All the words are easy to spell and figure that out. But I I mean, you've got a wonderful list of things for sale as far as, you know, farm tables and, you know, decor and everything else. And now do you have a retail store as well? So I do. um, 
we just we actually were located in a mall in the Exton Square Mall. We just recently closed that store down because, like I said earlier, I purchased a five acre 18th century farm and we're moving everything over to the farm. So it's a stone house, a stone barn. And we're going to put the wood shop down below the retail store above the uh, house itself. I'll live there for a little bit, but then eventually it'll turn into an Airbnb. Uh, And we really just want people kind of think of like a very small Williamsburg where you can come hang out, grab some food, you know, on a small scale, see some of the architecture, see what an actual spring house looks like that is actually functional and working. And just people can ask a ton of questions because we have the land and because I really, truly want people to be able to experience the old. um, I just I couldn't help myself when I saw this property. I was like, done. I want it. So wow. we'll be that up in April and uh, we'll be switching out our schoolhouse woodworking name. That'll always be the name of the company um, that I build things through. But the retail store will be called Sycamore and Stone Farm Very. because there's huge sycamore, huge sycamore trees that are like a couple hundred years old. They're massive and they frame out the uh, the house. It's really incredible. And we hope people can come and visit. And we'll be teaching classes, the whole thing. So, and, it, and I'll be there pretty much all the time. So people will be able to come. They'll be able to ask questions. Hopefully, they'll have a great experience, learn a little bit about history, and go, in with a full t- go home with a full tummy and maybe some cool handmade gifts. Sounds like a road trip is in my future, back to my <laughs> old, old stomping grounds, I think. I've, well, you uh... let me know. I'll book that Airbnb for you. Hopefully, I mean, I got to get it done first. But <laughs> the cool thing is about that property is that the very few houses, and this is probably the first house that I've walked into, that it's original in that they didn't rip out plaster to put up drywall. They actually kept a lot of, if not all, of the details from the original house. You can see the original floors have never had finish on them. It's the old chestnut floors, the walls, the the original paint. So the fireplace is eight foot wide, has a window inside of it. It really is. And there's history behind it. You can see where the tavern, the, the cage bar was in this, in the middle of this room. So you saw where the tavern was. Uh, It's just very, you know, if you're a, if you like history and even if, even if you don't, you can see the um, the construction practices back there back then. You can see how it was built on. It really is, I think, truly amazing. And and I'm not easily impressed. So I was like, this is so cool. I felt like a kid going to Sesame Place or something. That's cool. There, there, there's a there's a throwback out in Langhorn Sesame Place. Yeah, yeah I grew up. <laughs> Right there. Well, again, we're on the phone with Jeff Devlin, who uh, is HGTV's Stonehouse Revival host and uh, carpenter extraordinaire and soon-to-be Airbnb owner. And, and yeah. <laughs> Well, Jeff is going to be here at the Annapolis Homeowners Expo, which, again, is on the 26th and 27th of this month at the Byzantium Center on Reba Road. You can get tickets at thehomeownersexpo.com. That'll be the place you want to go. They are $6, and there are a bunch of discounts, I think, for military and everything else. Jeff's going to be doing three seminars or three periods. I mean, you're going to talk about remodeling like a pro, and you're going to be talking about how to hire a contractor, which is huge. Yep. Yeah. So it's funny. If you've got the time, get there by noon, and the first presentation, remodel like a pro, are three very, very simple tips that most homeowners 
they don't do, but I'm going to give you those three tips. You do them. Then I'm going to show you a little DIY at 1.30 about patching drywall, trimming a door, general questions about miter saws, stuff like that. And then I'm going to finish up the day at three o'clock, how to hire a contractor. And I will tell you, if you want to hire a contractor, especially in today's age where the contractors are so busy, you're going to have to do some homework. So bring yourself a nice big pad of paper to take notes and we'll get you all set for your next restoration. Jeff, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to meeting you at the expo again. That is on Saturday and Sunday, the 26th and 27th at the Byzantium Center. Thehomeownersexpo.com is where you want to go for tickets. But before you go there, or maybe after you go there, you want to go to schoolhousewoodworking.com and check out all the things that Jeff's got going there. Uh, it's got the links to the Stonehouse Revival, of course, and everything else. But really take a look at the projects that he's working on and the products that he sells. It's really, really pretty amazing. But I want to thank you very much for your time this afternoon. And uh, I look forward to meeting you. Yeah, my pleasure. I can't wait to get down there. See y'all very, very, very soon. All righty. Take care, Jeff. Thank you. You got it. Bye-bye. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.